Welcome to the JMR Podcast, Episode 3. I am your host, Jelani, a.k.a. Jedi Master Ren, and I'm going to take you on a journey to a galaxy far, far away. On tonight's journey, we'll touch down on the moons of a fresh acquisition from Sony to round out what I'm calling Jankquisition, take a trip to the cantina for my first week's impression of Dying Light 2, and last, get sucked through a wormhole as I tell my personal five-year tale to finally get to the credits of Horizon Zero Dawn. Some Falcon sweeping for you. The show and myself are now on Twitter, if you can believe it. So please go follow at JMR Podcast or at the JMR Podcast and at Jedi Master Ren. The R in Ren is the same R for Master. Um, I'll be giving updates on the show as well as some occasional hot takes there. Um, as well, I will also be recording a special episode next week discussing my thoughts on the Book of Boba. Um, I mean, come on, guys, you know I've got to. Like, it's just something that I've got to do. So I figured I should just give it a, as a special episode. It's probably only going to be maybe like 30, 40 minutes, just depending on how much I've got to say. Um, but I do want to get that out there. And I do want it to, since it's not going to be um, kind of like what these other episodes have been, this is just going to be its own special episode. And I'm going to have it come out um, in between my bi-weekly episodes. So that is something to look out for coming next week. Um, but other than that, let's jump to hyperspace. Alrighty, guys, our first stop on this journey, PlayStation acquiring Bungie for $3.6 billion. I'm going to be pulling from Bungie's own blog post on January 31st um, to just discuss kind of their thoughts, at least. I, I did like this when I read this of kind of where their heads are at, because obviously it's a big decision for them to make to, you know, go back under a big corporation like Sony. I mean, they were under Microsoft and now they're going right back under a, you know, big corporation. So the question is, how do they feel about this? So I thought this was very interesting and I thought this would be a good read for us. Um, so we believe games have limitless potential and that to do anything worthwhile in entertainment, we must bet big on our vision, on our studio, and on our incredible team of trusted creators who build unforgettable worlds that truly matter to people. In SIE, we have found a partner who unconditionally supports us in all we are and who, we, and who wants to accelerate our vision to create generation-spanning entertainment, all while preserving the creative independence that beats in Bungie's heart. Like us, SIE believes that game worlds are only the beginning of what our IPs can become. Together, we share a dream of creating and fostering iconic franchises that unite friends around the world, families across generations, and fans across multiple platforms and entertainment mediums. Today, Bungie begins our journey to become a global multimedia entertainment company. Creative Freedom Since taking flight in 1991, Bungie was always or has always charted the future with our own star map, a path that is driven by our people and our community. We are continuing that journey with new worlds in development and we can't wait to share them with you. With SIE, the potential for our universes is unlimited. Our future games will take bold steps into unexplored spaces for Bungie, continue to push the boundaries of what is possible, and will always be built on a foundation of creating meaningful, lifelong friendships and memories. We remain in charge of our destiny. We will continue to independently publish and creatively develop our games. We will continue to drive one unified Bungie community. Our games will continue to be where our community is, wherever they choose to play. With SIE support, 
the most immediate change you will see is an acceleration in hiring talent across the entire studio to support our ambitious vision. And then they go on with that. Um, so realistically, that's kind of the gist of what I wanted to read here. Um, but we can see a few different things. One thing that stuck out is the fact that they are wanting to branch out from just video games and they're trying to bring their IPs to different mediums. And they believe that Sony can do that for them. And that's good. They are seeing a benefit by coming together and being a part of Sony. And um, the same thing with them them still owning themselves and still being able to publish their own games and being able to come out again this is the day that this dropped and them coming out and saying you are going to get your games where you play them again this is not talking about future games but at least they're putting their name on the stuff that we've got now and realistically we know that they're they're wanting them to be on everything they want it to be everywhere and uh, you know, we're going to get into that kind of a conversation in a little bit here, but this is just really good to see, and it's really awesome to see that there is a give and take. Now, you know, I, I'm saying what Bungie's getting, but what is Sony getting with this? Sony is getting the knowledge of doing a an actual good, you know, uh, games-as-a-service model for a, a video game that works Destiny and Destiny 2 have been on the top charts for years at this point. And there are thousands, millions of people who are playing this game and who have been playing this game since the very beginning. And they continue to feel supported and they are supported with more content and more fun things and more DLC and all of that to add to the experience of this game. And they've just, they've figured it out and they have the know-how to do this and the, what Sony now can do if they acquire them when this acquisition goes through they will have that knowledge that knowledge is now theirs and they can then give that knowledge to other studios to do the same thing and now we are having that I mean again Jim Ryan came out and said he's got a 10 game plan he wants 10 live service games to be out by 2026 that is four years so guess what Bungie is a huge part of that plan but Bungie's also not going because do, do I mean I mean look was this not a surprise to anybody else because I didn't I didn't think Bungie wasn't like was doing bad I didn't know that they needed to be purchased so like and then it just is weird that like Sony just kind of did it like it just it all it all just kind of struck weird it was just like whoa okay that's all right that just happened I mean Kind of, it, it did like the Xbox thing too, like Xbox acquiring Activision. That was a weird one too. It's like, whoa, they, and then you saw the tag and you're like, holy crap, is this happening right now? It's like, oh yeah, this is going on. But why does Sony and Micro or PlayStation want to go down this games as a service route? That's, I guess, the real question that I have. Because, I mean, I know that there have been people who have been judging them and saying that the games are samey, but... The core fan base that is, you know, actually purchasing the hardware and diligently playing the games and buying the games, I don't think we have a problem with it. And, you know, we can see that Uncharted is, Uncharted is different than um, God of War, which is different than Horizon. Like, those are three completely separate games. Yes, are they all single-player driven? Yes, but uh, they are different. Uh, Uncharted is not any anywhere near an RPG, and God of War is slightly an RPG, but more linear, kind of. Again, they have some concepts that are the same, but they are all different. And even if they were the same concept, even if we had two games that were just very linear, they still would be 
different because we know that these different studios have different people working there and they have different tastes and different ideas. So it's never going to be the same thing. And that's why I just think it's kind of, it, it, it's selling these games short when you're just going to sit here and say, well, yeah, that just, they, that just happens. But I digress. The point here of what I'm saying is, Maybe this is why. Maybe this is why they're pushing is because of that backlash. I just feel like, you know, the majority of the PlayStation fan base who they're trying to adhere to, they are okay with this. But then again, at, on the other hand, they're trying to bring in more people. So maybe we can do both. Maybe that's what they're doing. So again, this is very, this is a very interesting thing. And it's, it, it's very, again, we're in January or February now, but this all went down before January ended. So this is a very busy year already from the jump. So it's just very exciting to see how this is going to play out, where this is going to go. Um, so, but on the word of exclusivity, um, I'm going to be pulling from the inverse.com. This is Brian Lauber and he writes, so he says, um, in a fact, the developer states in no uncertain terms, Destiny 2, or this is quote, Destiny 2, will stay on all current platforms and expand to new platforms. Again, we did touch on that a little bit earlier. Likewise, Bungie says all of its um, all of its in-development games will also be multi-platform releases. So that's anything that they are working on right now might not be announced, but anything that they are currently working on, they plan on making multi-platform as well. It says, uh, he continues, Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan echoed these sentiments in an interview with GamesIndustry.biz saying, Quote, Bungie will say um, will stay an independent multi-platform studio and publisher. End quote. It's a move that makes sense for both parties. Bungie has no reason to limit its players to just one platform, disrupting multi-platform player groups in the process, and Sony has more to gain from collecting its share of microtransactions on multiplayer platforms. Again, I do agree with this. It, this makes the most sense. I mean, again, the the game's already out there, number one, especially Destiny 2, like they said, that's already out there. Plus, you know, if Bungie is already saying, like, look, we want to keep our games multi-platform, and if Sony's trying to play nice with them, the games that they're working on, yes, you guys can keep those as multi-platform. What's going to happen in the future? I, I really don't know. You know, I, I, I'm hoping that the walls of this console war, and I'm putting quotes around that, are breaking. I, I really hope that that is the that the, we are coming closer to an end not obviously it's still going to be here you know we're not going to just get away with it's not like 2022 is going to be the end but i'm just saying i think we're seeing the signs that maybe like you know in the next within the decade we could possibly see a harmonious gaming industry where you know we are seeing game pass on playstation and we're seeing game pass on on netflix and vice versa and we're seeing you know our uncharted's and the god of wars and you're seeing those on xbox and possibly on the switch and you know we're seeing all of these games just coalescing on different consoles depending on what they can run and what they can do and that would just be a beautiful thing you know if it doesn't really matter you can just go with what you want and not really what the game is on and i i just feel like that is that would be an awesome future to kind of live in but the last thing that i kind of touch on here um because i kind of saw this on uh some socials <laughs> um i and this is going to be from the same article that i'm pulling from but i already knew this and i'm sure most of you listening uh, know this, but if anybody is listening that doesn't know this, Bungie did make Halo. They do not own the IP of Halo, and 
that means that Sony does not own the IP of Halo. I've been hearing people say that Halo is coming to Bungie and that Xbox people better be scared. And obviously, these are some like super fanboys who can't understand, you know, a simple transaction that took place when Bungie separated from Microsoft, which is, look, we are going to leave, and but hey, uh, Microsoft is taking Halo. They are keeping that IP. Therefore, Bungie doesn't own it. So, again, I would like to reiterate from um, Inverse.com, from Mr. Brian, uh, does, he writes, or does Bungie still own Halo? Nope. Although Bungie created the Halo franchise and made the first handful of games, um, rights to the franchise still belong to Microsoft. Bungie began work on the original Halo in 1997, but Microsoft purchased the studio while the game was still in development, acquiring the IP in the process. When Bungie split with Microsoft in 2007, Microsoft retained rights to Halo, creating the in-house studio 343 Industries to take over its blockbuster franchise. The chances of Halo making its way to PlayStation are just as slim now as they were before Sony bought Bungie. This is absolutely accurate, and uh, this they basically did the same thing that they did with the Coalition when um, when they got when they got the rights to Gears of War. They created the Coalition to continue the uh, the Gears of War sagas, and that's all that that studio is going to do is make Gears of War games the same like three four three. All they're going to do is make Halo games. So that's why they were created. Halo's not going anywhere. Halo is staying on the Xbox. It's not coming to PlayStation. It is what it is. I know you guys know, but in case anybody comes across this who doesn't know, now you do. Okay, so we're now going to transition to um, my initial impressions of Dying Light 2. So um, I purchased this game on uh, on launch day on uh, February 4th. I have been waiting a decent amount of time for this game. Um when the first one was first announced it blew me away like I was very much I um was raving about it I was talking about it I mean I I think I I think I knew about it probably like a a year I think that was the first game that I was really trying to stay up to date on with my little game informers that I would get um because you know back then I really didn't I didn't even know about like you know um content creators on YouTube or anything like that I was just kind of I don't even think I was really using YouTube back um, back then when the first Dying Light came out, but um, maybe I was just starting. I know when I just started, I uh, was listening to the Rad Brad, or watched the Rad Brad. I love that guy, but I digress again. Um, the That game just, it, it, when I first saw the trailer for it, it was, uh, they had the, I don't even know what the song was, but the song I literally had on my playlist and I would play it back to back. And I mean, it was, I was enthralled with it and I would go around and tell everybody like, man, look, dying light. It's going to be awesome. Cause I had played, um, what is it? Dead Island. I had played dead Island, um, one and two or no one in riptide. I don't think I played two. No, there two's never come out. I think we're still been waiting on two, but, um, dead Island and dead Island riptide, the, the combo pack. I, I had that and I played both of them and that was fun. You know, it really was fun. I really wasn't a fan of the deteriorating weapons. I'm still not a fan now. We'll talk about that later, but uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm not a fan of it in any game. So it's not a, it's just a bias on my part. I really don't like that crap. It's just, but it is what it is. So, um, but Dead Island was really fun. I did. I still liked it. You know, regardless of that, it still was a fun game. And to hear that, you know, there was 
uh, altercations with them and the publisher and they split off and now de the devs that did uh, Dead Island were doing their own thing and it's dying light and it's going to have a day-night cycle and it's going to be an open world zombie killing parkour um, action game and I was just I was hooked I was hooked and I would go tell everybody I'm like yo you got it you I'm telling you this game's gonna be it it's gonna be it and then um you know so this was 2013 I believe no 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 no. it was 2014 2014 because I think that was the year that it was coming out because that was the mm, yeah that was the year that I got my Xbox One. It was at the end of the year. So really, this might have game. It might have came out end of twenty fourteen or uh, twenty fifteen. I'm not not too sure. Um, but it was it, when it came out. Or I had my Xbox One and I had recently got it. And then I got a Game Informer, and turns out they were getting rid of the three sixty port of the game or not even the port but yeah the 360 version of the game and it was like before launch it just said it was like it, it was there the good the bad the ugly section and it was the ugly and it said that and i just sat back and i was like i looked at the xbox one and i was like dang that's lucky <laughs> like i wasn't i didn't get it because i uh, of the, i just i happened to be able to get one and turns out the game that i have been the one game that i've really been waiting on it, it's now only on this console that I just so happened to have for like a week at this point. So that was pretty, that was a good moment where I was like, wow, I'm, I, 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 I lucked out basically. Um, so I will always remember that when I first booted up the game and the first time I had to get through the night that, that you want to talk about sweat. That's, that, that was a sweaty moment. Like I was, it was tense and, Really, there's a lot of moments in the game. There's a lot of moments in the game like that. Now, um, I do want to transition over to the second game because kind of what I'm going to talk, what I was going to talk about about the first game is stuff that the second game does. So we can kind of talk about both of them in a sense. Um, but full disclosure, I am playing this game on PS5 in the perform the the performance mode. I don't really like the quality mode. I literally tried it twice for maybe a minute both times, and I was like, no cannot do the quality mode i don't know why it didn't the it, image didn't look that much better and the frame rate was all over the place at least from going from 60 to or whatever it's at to whatever the quality mode was and i'm saying because it might have been fluctuating i'm sure it's probably not always 60 but because you do a, there's a lot of movements in this game so i guarantee well i know for sure because there there have been some stutters and there have been a little janks we're, we're, we're gonna get into it um but Either way, I would probably, if you're on PS5, I probably would not touch um, the quality mode. Um, I don't know if there is a performance mode in quality mode on the PS4 Pro, but if it, if there is, I would still, I would stay with the performance mode because I guarantee that's probably going to be the better one. I could be wrong though. Um, I do want to touch on the DualSense and the 3D audio features that were present in the game they are very very good very good um the when you're hitting an enemy with a weapon it's you can hear it and i'm talking you have different you have two types of weapons at least right now you've well three types you've got a ranged weapon um a slicing weapon and a blunt weapon and the slice sounds good it sounds like a dang good slice you know what i'm saying like it's and then the uh the blunt weapon 
it does, it feels like, you know, like you're hitting something hard against another hard thing, like, you know, a skull. So they, it really does feel like it. And then when you're having the headphones on as well, you're hearing it on the side that you're swinging. So as you're swinging, you're hearing that whoosh as it's coming past, as you're like, your person is swinging that behind his head kind of thing. And it's, I mean, it's very, it's really good. And I was very surprised. Obviously too, you're hearing a lot of these different growls. It's very, it's very tense. It's very tense, especially when you realize that, oh, that, that, those whistles meant that the sun was going down. Oh, okay. And then you hear the growls and then you don't know where the growls are because you don't have your light on yet. And those are the moments that where the game gets you right there. So those, they really did a good job with the 3D audio. Um, the DualSense, I, th this is why I got a PS5. This is why, well, why I got the PS5 first. I knew I was always going to get both of them, but this is why I went for the PS5 first. It's because of that DualSense. As soon as I saw it, I was like, see, that's innovation at its finest. And anybody who thinks that it's not, I'm sorry. I, in my opinion, it is. It is the again if you use it correctly if you use it the right way some developers aren't going to want to i get it you, extra work that you're going to have to do cool but the ones that do put in the effort to try to make it something special they really they really do a good job and i think these guys did i think techline did a good job so um with that when you're swinging a a weapon and you start to get it, it's it, or when you start to get tired as you're swinging you it starts to get harder as you're pulling it down right obviously um bigger weapons feel like your two-handed weapons they feel like they're heavier as you're swinging them um but the main thing and i think this is where these things can come into handy again where you don't have to look at the ui and get taken out of that experience of the gameplay and you just have to focus on the feel of what you're doing when your weapon is all the way deteriorated, you can still use it, but it you do risk it breaking completely, completely. Like it's once it's it's the the damage is all the way down, that's it. Like you can't do anything with it. You can't get that back up, but you can at least still swing it. But you only have like maybe you know ten more swings before that thing like breaks, breaks, and now it's out of your inventory. At least you could sell it for like you know a few coins, um, if you it, it when it's all the way down. So. But when it is all the way down, before it gets to that breaking point, as you're swinging it, you might not realize it. You know, you're around, you're uh, completely surrounded by a group of zombies. So you might not realize that this stuff is going on, but, or that, you know, the, it's dwindling down or that you have used up all of the thing. So when you swing and you're swinging it and it's not all the way out or it's not um, all the way broken, you can actually feel feel the trigger like shake it's like a vibration on your um on your finger and it is literally the craziest thing i to the point where i don't even have to look down at the ui anymore i know exactly when oh i can feel that all right i gotta switch my weapon and then you just switch it there is no looking down and trying to understand what's going on it's all muscle memory now and that was the point of why sony made this dual sense and i'm again when it is done correctly, you can really see the potential of the DualSense. And this is exactly why I went for this console and why I'm still with, you know, I'm still a Sony fan. Like, I can't wait for what Horizon Forbidden West does with the DualSense and with the 3D audio. But that is just a little bit of that. I just was very amazed by that. Um, I do want to tell you, I have only, I have played about 34 hours. That's what the PS5 says. You guys know that the, 
you know, the PS5 clock is a little jank, so who knows really what's going on there, but, um, because it said I, it said 34 hours, and the last time I played was six hours ago, but I had been playing for, like, maybe two, three hours, so I was like, I was very confused, I don't know, so we're gonna go 34, that does sound about right, um, but I do, what's really crazy about these, and, you know, what's really funny Bad bit said this, and I had this thought as well that these zombies are like the infected zombies, or not the infected, like the uh, well, the infected from I Am Legend. So in I Am Legend, these things are they're infected. They are obviously they're people, but they and they are zombies, but they can only come out at night. That is the and that's the thing though the difference is they can literally only come out at night and that's there's no other they don't have obviously different types but that's because it's a movie so they're trying to you know make it a little bit more real but um they can only come out at night if they come out during the day they're kind of like vampires but um so these zombies are in a sense like that and it is kind of weird because it's the same well it's not the same thing in the first one in the first one the only thing that happens at night are the volatiles come out. Now, the volatiles do are they're going to be in buildings in this one. In the second game, all of the volatiles and then most of your standard zombies are going to be in these buildings, just kind of hanging out, sleeping really. And you have an opportunity to go in there and get some loot if you can. But usually for me, I'm I'm just kind of running through using that as like a parkour. Um, route and trying to get through there as quickly as possible. I really, I am not a fan of going out at dark air at the night. I'm not a fan of the 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 um, chase mechanic that they have. They've got this little thing that basically is like um, getting the cops on you in any other game, uh, like your GTA's or uh, Mafia or anything like that. It's it, it's I don't like it. <laughs> I don't think anybody else really likes it either. Um, but you know it's. I am able to deal with it. And that's, again, I don't like to go out at night, so I really don't have to deal with that anyway. If anything, if, uh, you know, if it turns night, I'm going to try to find a, either I'm going into a building so I can just get some equipment, or I am going to a safe house and going to sleep until the morning. That's all I'm doing. So it's, I don't really have to worry about that. So to me, not really a big deal. Um, I do think the story and the character flow of this game is kind of like The Walking Dead, in a sense. And it doesn't mean, I don't think that it's tropey. I think that it really is, it just feels like The Walking Dead, you know, like how they brought in, they, they, they bring in people and you don't, and then they're double crossing you or they bring in people that you were completely unexpected and different things happen. And then you're meeting different people that are dealing with their own stuff. And it just, it very much is giving me the sense of, the walking dead like this is this is a story about people more so than a story about zombies and the first game was all about the zombies but this game uh, you know um is all about the people and really all about aiden trying to find his sister mia that's what the whole premise of this game is and i really really like that i don't know why but to me this again playing this game it now does feel like this is not a typical zombie game again obviously it's not it's a parkour action game but you know it could be like the first dying light which is not uh well which was more so uh you know around the zombies and you know uh doing kind of stuff like that it, i mean it 
the guy who you are playing as in the first one, he is working with a government agency, but he's investigating the the town or the city after it got quarantined. So he is doing it for a government agency, or so he thinks. But um, in this, you, you, I mean, you've already been living here for 15 years at this point, so or over 15 years. So you are just trying to live, and that's what everybody's trying to do. So this is a very, very people story, and it's something that it was very unexpected for me. So um, I, you know, when you get into the game, um, you're very low level, you know, and that is the way that Dying Light starts off as well. And, you know, it's not that it isn't fun. It's really not. It's not that's not fun at all. But you can tell that there's some things that, you know, are missing that you need. And it's not that, again, maybe for me, I'm different because I knew that this is how Dying Light started. You know, this is how you didn't get everything right at the jump. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that you have to learn before you can, you know, you had to learn how to walk before you can run. You know what I mean? So you can't just get everything parkouring because you got to learn how to parkour first. You got to learn how to be good at the standard stuff before you can be better at the other stuff, the the more advanced stuff. So I do understand having to, you know, wait to progress through the skill tree to um, get through that um, or to get your level up on the parkour, on your parkour abilities. Um, So I really do think that it's interesting to see how the humanity is. Again, how they had to adapt to survive in this world. It's it's very crazy to see how they built these towns and these like huge towns on these buildings. And it's like, wow, y'all have just, I mean, it's been 15 years. Yeah, you've got to figure out something. And they just live and they're trying to live their lives. And that's, again, how I'm tying this back to the... Um, or uh, to the Walking Dead, it just seems like again when they're going to these different these different spots. They're you know at first it's just the their little camp, the Walking Dead, and then um, they keep moving. And as they keep moving, they keep finding another group of people that are just trying to live. They're just trying to live their lives, and if they're doing it wrong, you know it is what it is. Who knows if they're doing it wrong or not? But it's the point is they're it's, they're telling a people story more so than a zombie story, and that's what it seems like. Um, that's what it seems like they're doing here as well. Um, so again, but you know, I did kind of see this coming again. First game, this is what they did. This is the second game. They're probably going to do the same thing. But then hearing that this is 15 years in the future. Okay, well, that means that we're probably not going to, it doesn't even matter. The first game has no recollection. They literally mention um, the first city once and that's it, Haran. They only mention it one time, and that's at the very beginning, and then that's it. And, you know, Villador is the city that you're in now, and it's a very beautiful city, but um, it is the last city of humanity. They're the only people that are left. So it's it's a very it's a very heartwarming, you know, kind of situation to see, you know, they are the last of the civilization, but they're also still trying to make it work. Even uh, even after all of the odds and they you have people who are only caring about uh, trying to get their their boots. Uh, this this guard that I was talking to, he was like, I told him, he was like, hey, man, you got some nice boots. And he was like, really, man? He's like, I love these boots. He's like, I got them for yada, yada, yada. I don't want to I, I don't want to um, 
to spoil it now that I'm thinking of it. But um, it was just funny that he cared about his fashion and at a time when, you know, we are dealing with zombies. So it's just something that I, you know, find endearing. I guess, is that they can find, they can still find good, and that, I feel like that was something that I really did get from The Walking Dead as well, um, so, realistically, the world really does feel lived in, when you go into areas with, um, NPCs, they literally will be having a conversation, and, uh, and then, as you walk in, they will transition the conversation into asking you a question, and I mean, literally, this is what I'm talking about, like, stuff like that, this just randomly happened to me once. It randomly happened, and I wasn't prepared for it at all. And, you know, I was just listening, kind of listening in on this guy, and then he goes, he just turns, and then he brought me into this conversation. I was like, whoa, what? Oh, okay, what do you need, man? So it's just, it's very, it's stuff like that and stuff that, um, you know, the people that you actually meet that are really actually important to the story, they, to me, are well-rounded like the first guy you meet I feel like he I I feel like he was a good character you know I feel like he had good parts the the um, Rosario Dawson's character I really like her character a lot she I think you know she's a hard ass and I really like it so I think that having those main characters and then these different factions that you're having to fight and you're having to give your different um what is it called the different supplies to we're talking water electricity stuff like that um these different factions are very much different in and of themselves and are they're not too different in and of themselves they um you know they both are just trying to survive but they're trying to do it in different ways and it, it brings me to the choices and the choices here are they are in my opinion very hard like I could not Every time I have to pause the game and I'm like, geez, do I really like I have to weigh out the options. And I mean, I like that. I do like that. It's uh, it, it is very, you know, it is tough, you know, and I don't want to have to make these decisions. But it's like, you know what? This is what the game is asking me. So this is what we're going to do. You know what I'm saying? So I, you know, I keep on trucking. But um, literally every choice dumped me in um what I wanted to do and I, it could just be because of I like to understand both sides maybe that could be it but I do find myself understanding both factions and I don't want to choose one over the other but obviously I have to and for story purposes I still have to so how you get the upgrades because there is something that I didn't know that I wish that I did um when you upgrade well first of all when you unlock these electrical towers or, or these electrical buildings or um, the water towers, when you unlock these points, you can either give them to the survivors, that's one faction, or the PKs, the peacekeepers, that's another faction. If you decide to bring them or give them to the peacekeepers, then um, they can give you different um, abilities on the street to deal with zombies. And if you give them to the survivors and they give you more parkour options um, in their areas during the um, or, you know, um, it just in their zones or whatever. But um, if you get the PKs up four levels on the fourth level, you get an automatic crossbow. And I wish that I would have known that 
in like the previous game or not in the previous game when I was in the little first area because I probably would have had that crossbow before I got to the big area and that would have been awesome but now I'm kind of like you know again 34 hours into the game still getting it though I'm already trucking I'm trying I I'll probably get it by this weekend but well it's already the weekend but I'll probably get it um sometime this weekend here in a little bit but um it is a it's just look without the upgrades and without the the rigmarole of the of the characters and the people who are in the game and all that stuff just the gameplay alone is amazing i and again i'm a sucker it could just be me i'm a sucker for parkour games and there's only been one other one other than dying light again but mirror's edge only other parkour game that i have been able to play that i've been able to see so unfortunately pickings are slim and i'm not saying that that's the only reason that i like this game because it's a really good game like i mean now i feel like i'm dominating these zombies at this point before i was a little trepidatious not trying to go in there a lot but at this point i am very excited to get into a fight with 10 zombies like i'm like let's all right let's go see what the hell i can do so it's it, it's a fun time to be in this world and to be in this game and especially once you start to upgrade that is where the fun begins and that's where you start to see the game actually kind of open up and i mean again i'm not telling you that you have to get hours into the game i'm just saying like it's just the way that you even get upgrades is just by playing all you got to do is play the game so if you want to get um you know a parkour skill you just need to keep parkouring keep climbing on stuff keep doing stuff in the game if you want to get a combat upgrade keep fighting zombies in the game just keep playing the game and you'll get the stuff that you want so it's not a hard ask and it's not a hard bargain and it's it's a really fun game to play now last i'm going to touch on are the bugs um i did receive one bug not a game breaking bug by any means but a um it was it was in a cutscene and i was in i believe it was the bazaar uh i think it was We'll say it was the bazaar. Yeah, it was. I was in the bazaar, and um, it's in the first area. And I, um, they, these guys brought over this armor, and it was just sitting on the counter. Uh, yeah, sitting on the counter. And as they're moving, or it's just started moving out of nowhere, and you could tell that somebody was moving it, but nobody was there. And I'm like, okay, so who's supposed to be moving right now? I don't know. Either way. That was the only weird thing that happened. Again, I have had some little hitches. Like, I've seen some frame rate dips here and there, but nothing major and not for very long. So, all in all, this is a damn good title. And I, I mean, I'm having a blast with it. Like, I've, I've had really, really good time with it. I had a really good time with the first one, too. So, it's just really fun to be back in this world and to explore and to see kind of you know, what has happened in the last 15 years. Again, where civilization has come so far that they're not even worried they're about these zombies at this point. You know, they're worried about water and they're worried about essentials to survive, but they're not worried about these zombies. They don't care. They're fine. But yeah, anyway, let's move on to my five-year history with Horizon Zero Dawn. I figured since the game is coming up next week, I'm trying to get done with Dying Light 2 so then I can get over to Horizon and feel free uh, and not have to worry over there. But we will see because I don't know. <laughs> but um, 
with Horizon coming up next week, I figured I would like to kind of discuss my little fun story that I've had uh, through the years with Horizon Zero Dawn. So, um, in 2017, that's when the game came out, right, guys? So, I did get the game when it came out, you know, at launch. The robotic animals are the one thing, as obviously, and I think it's for everybody, we saw that and gravitated towards it. I didn't know what they were. I wanted to know what they were. You're telling me, like, they looked like animals. One of them looked like a um, a dinosaur, and I'm just like, I, I want to know what the heck is going on, because it looks like y'all are in a in the world like the regular world like where did these where did these robots come from and why do you guys like y'all are just she's got a bow and arrow what's going on here is this hawkeye you know so i'm like i i gotta get this i gotta get in on this so opening five hours they had me i was enthralled with the game right like you're playing as aloy she drops down in the thing you go through the entire first area and you get to the proving and once you get to the proving, even even before the proving, when she's training, that part two was just amazing. Like I loved every bit of it. And then the um the one thing that I love about this game is the story. That's like one thing that I absolutely love. But um it wasn't until the proving um that when she became a seeker that the open there that the world really opens up, right? So that's when I fell off. Literally right there. So I I don't know what happened. I think it was I got overwhelmed with the mechanics uh of the game, you know? Like I I I'm I'm sure that I got up to a big one. I got up to a big um tailbrazer, I think is what it's called. No, that's not a I don't know the names of the of the uh robots guys. I apologize. But the it's one of the big ones. It was one of the big ones with the um what is it? The green thing on its back. Either way, that thing was huge, and I was not prepared for that. I had just defeated a corruptor. I was not prepared to deal with bigger than that and faster than that. And it was, I don't know. I think, again, I think I got overwhelmed, and I just did not feel like trying to go any further. So I put it down, and again, it's not that I put it, I put it down like that day. It's not like I put it down, down, but again, got distracted by the new hotness that came out that year, I'm sure. So did not get around back to it. So fast forward, we're going to take a quick pit stop here. We're going to go to 2018. So in 2018, that is the year of Spider-Man PS4 and God of War. Oh yeah, they drop around the same time. I believe God of War was one. Spider-Man was two, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. But both of those games, why would I be touching on them, right? Why would I be trying to talk about them in this history lesson? Well, my history lesson, really. Um, It's because they literally helped me understand different types of games. They helped me understand things and make sense of things. So in God of War... I had to learn how to, or I had to learn how to understand these bosses' tells and how and how to dodge and where I'm supposed to go and when. That's not something that I was used to doing, but because I had to in that, or else I wasn't going to succeed, 
it is something that I did. And again, it is a little handholdy. At first, you're not having to do that. But as the, as you go on in the game, it gets harder and harder and you have to start, you know, actually putting forth the effort and trying to get out of the way of these kind of things. So it is something that is that can be doable, but it was something that I never did and wasn't used to doing um, before then. So that is one thing that I took with that one, right? So we're here now. And then Spider-Man, same concept again. You still have to dodge and weave and whatnot, but it was a little easier, right? But, um, and I think that's kind of where we're seeing some parallels, really, is with the weapons and the gadgets. In Spider-Man, I was I was doing good, right? I wasn't doing the best. I was doing good, and I wasn't dying or anything, but it was... I could tell that I was uh, taking more damage than I felt I should. So I started um, playing around with all of my gadgets in a fight. And when I started doing that, I started realizing that it's becoming easier and easier to beat these bad guys up. So that's what I started doing in that in Spider-Man, and that's how I won the game, and that's how I still play the game now. I use everything in my arsenal. If I, I'm like, oh, we'll shoot the gravity, we'll shoot the gravity rev out. Oh, we're gonna bomb you to the web or to the pole. We're gonna uh, shoot him down. It's this. We're, we're gonna do everything. We're gonna do everything. Electrify, electrify. Anyway, um, so again, taking all of these, we're gonna use these, and we're gonna go back. And in 2020, I return to Horizon Round. Two. So, this was a way better experience than two years prior. I remembered where I left off, and I was ready to take on anything that was going to come across my path. Now, I did see new biomes. I saw the desert biome, and uh, it was way better, or way different than the lush forest that I was already seeing, you know, uh, through most of the game. And even the, the snowy areas, too, or whatever. Um, but, I did come to a halt. And this is, again, where I got stopped and where I couldn't continue, and it was, I, I was doing a mission, and I got stuck with uh, two corruptors in a quarry, and they were being controlled by a bunch of bandits, and I could not get past them, I couldn't, and because of that, I, I mean, literally, I just kept dying and dying and dying, and I just felt like there was, I, I, there was just no way to get past this, obviously there was, but at that time, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I kept losing all of my ammo, and they kept seeing me and killing me. And I was just like, you know what? I got to come back to this. So I had to put it down, and I was done. So I put the game down. I knew I was going to come back to it because, again, this is 2020. I knew that the new game was coming out. I knew that it was. So I knew that I had to come back to this and finish what I started. So fast-forwarding again to 2021. So we're a year later again. So this is the year that Horizon actually clicked for me. This was the year right here. So um, I don't remember, or I guess I was not using what I learned in 2018, what I just talked about. I was not using that in or when I went back to this game because I wasn't using all of Aloy's weapons to my disposal. I wasn't using her, or when I got back in, I started using her rope caster against the big enemies and locking them down to the ground. So then that way they couldn't move. And then I would hit them with either my piercer arrow or the fire arrow. And then that's how I would take care of everybody or get that like um, that arrow shotgun thing. That's what I call it. I don't remember what it was called. But um, I call it, it, it's basically my shotgun. I, I use that on them if I needed to. And again, 
remembering how to dodge and we're getting in there and actually feeling the dodge and feeling okay this is how far Aloy moves when she when you press the square button you know yada 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 so when I understood the dodge understood what it meant and how far and then how far the enemies can hit me and how far their swing is that's when it started clicking for me and I don't understand why it didn't click for me before but again I have this theory that we evolve as gamers and I think we all can agree to that so as uh, you know, back then, I guess I just couldn't see those things back then. Don't know why, but for whatever reason, I couldn't. And when I started playing it again in 2021, it all made sense. And I, the realistically, the big thing was using all of her weapons, using everything that I had at my disposal to get them and get them down. That was the biggest thing for me and what really helped me get through a lot of this game. Um, but it really ended up, I did enjoy my experience with it. And throughout the years, I really did still enjoy it, and it made me appreciate the game way more. Now, you know, having been at the end of this and understanding the game and seeing how it's supposed to work, it really made me appreciate it. And that's something that I really did like as well. Um, so again, um, now, but again, I unfortunately did not get to beat it this year. I didn't. So that means... That is correct. I beat it in 2022 last month. That is when I bet it. Right, that's when I beat it. The deed is complete. It took me five years to finish this game, but I finally did it. It took many failed attempts. But again, I have this belief that we evolve as gamers. And because I took my lessons that I learned from other games, and again, Spider-Man and God of War were the ones that stuck out to me the most. Again, the ones that really made me think differently when I was going into combat. But with uh, I did try other games and it could be other games as well that were building on top of that foundation that when I got finally here again back in 2021 it now clicked and it all started making sense to me again so these are the things that I kind of had to go through to get to see the credits and what this game really has to offer but obviously next week we are getting Horizon Forbidden West I am very happy and very ready to experience Aloy's story again, and not again, but seeing the next step of her story and seeing Aloy again. Really, that's what I'm excited for, and seeing how far she's going to go and what the next step is for the world at large and what is going to happen next. So, again, this, is, this, this series is amazing, and I can't wait for more. All right, guys, so this next segment I call holograms it is where you guys can send me your own audio message and i will play it on the show and then i'll answer whatever question you guys have so here we go hey jedi master ren it's your fellow trophy hunter Nakachaka. and my question to you is what tips and suggestions do you have for someone who's a complete noob when it comes to dying light 2 i just started the game last night and i still have no idea what i'm doing congratulations on the podcast my friend I usually don't give out my tips and tricks, but for you, Nagachaka, I will. And I guess everybody else who's listening to. So here we go. So I would say, first of all, you definitely got to get that crossbow. 
that crossbow is going to come in handy when you get into main Velador. You have opportunities to get it while you're in old Velador. So I would recommend maybe going and trying to unlock some of the um, the water towers or the... I don't think there are any electrical buildings over there, but I think there are water towers that you can unlock. And then those will give you opportunities where you can give them to either the PKs, the peacekeepers, or the um, the survivors. So you if you choose the PKs, you choose them four times, you'll be able to get that crossbow. Um, so definitely recommend that. Um, the other thing I would say is keep track of your skills. Um, you know, you're going to want to keep track of how you're playing and see how or what is necessary. So in, for me personally, I was, I, I knew that there were things that I was missing in my parkour, in my parkour action. And that's where I was going in my, uh, skill set in my, or my skill tree. And I was looking to see, I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, there, that is the thing that I'm looking for and the thing that I want. So I'm trying to map a path to kind of get there. Um, the combat side of things, that was, I like, I would see things in there that I'm like, oh, okay, that would be cool if I had it. But I it's, I never went in there like, oh, yeah, like this is something that I needed in combat, really. Um, but it was more so on the parkour side. But that's going to be basically based on how you play. So for me, I obviously, I'm, I love the parkour part of this. So I'm going in this more for the parkour um, action of it. And I noticed that... I was having issues when I would be um, trying to jump or I'm climbing and I would fall because my stamina is too low. So for me personally, I wanted to do more things that would help me get away from doing that or help me climb better or climb faster kind of things like that. So looking at that um, skill tree and really planning out a path to kind of help you get to where you need to is going to help you. Um, mobility is obviously the main thing. Definitely though, I would say on the... I believe it is on the um, on the combat side. Get the drop kick ability, the one where you can just jump up and drop kick. You press R one and then you double click L one, and then that is you just drop kick anybody, uh, any enemy, and you don't have to stagger them. That right there is a game changer as well. So I would say if you're looking in the skill tree, definitely look at that one and see what um, the recommendations are for that, so that you know what you got to do for that one. But yeah, that's what I got for you, buddy. Hey Jedi Master Breton, it's Freak the Welsh one here. My question for the podcast is a Horizon Zero Dawn based one. Uh, it's one of my top games of all time, if not the top. Uh, it's a bit cliched, but yeah, I'm asking, what's your favourite moment of the main storyline in Horizon Zero Dawn? Uh, mine's got to be when Helis, the Hades puppet and leader of the Kaja in Shadow, has captured Aloy, drops her into the Sunring with no weapons, and she has to battle the Behemoth. She beats the Behemoth, only to be faced with a couple of corruptors, and then silence to the rescue, despite me still thinking he's a dodgy git by the end of the game. He blows the gate and turns up with a bunch of overridden sawtooths, and we ride off into the sunset. Uh, absolutely got me with goosebumps. Great stuff. Uh, loving the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, my buddy Rick. At that moment you did, the way that you described it really did give me goosebumps. I'll tell you what. Um, and you're right. Uh, silence is very sketchy by the end of it. I don't know what his deal is. I'm kind of confused. I'm weary. And that's again, why I'm excited for this Friday because, well, next Friday, because we will finally get to see what the F is going on with him. Right. So, um, but my favorite moment, I did tell you that, like, I kind of thought that I might know 
what it is, but I did change my mind from that. But I will say what that first one was. And again, you say this is cliche. I'm going to say what I was about to say is cliche. And it was the first time that I climbed up one of the tall necks. And I will say it's cliche because, I mean, it's like, come on, man, of course. But it was, I just, that's one that sticks out, you know, climbing up to the top and then sticking your her staff down and then just seeing the entire map on the on the things or on the tall neck's head kind of just light up and it was just amazing and then jumping down with the and her throwing up her rope I guess that was like one of the first times that I did that move too so I just always remembered that moment too but I would say one major thing that got me was at the end when you're in one of the last um the last areas and or the last uh, old civilizations and you're in Project Zero Dawn, and you find out what Project Zero Dawn is, and it's it's not finding out what it is, it's really, like, understanding that the humans, or that, you know, our people, where we, obviously, it would have been us who were going through this, um, they knew, you know, like, they knew what was going to happen, and that there was nothing that they could do, and they, you know, did what they did. I don't want to spoil anything, but they did what they did. And <laughs> it's just like, wow, <laughs> it, it really, it, it left me kind of like, okay, well, that is, it's, it's pretty crazy that they uh, were, you know, gonna play with that much um, of the people's like, you know, feelings kind of, kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I I'm, I'm, dancing around it because it's like literally the last thing at the end of the game that I don't want to spoil but um because I feel like there are people who might be finishing it up this week so I don't want to you know get too far into it but what Zero Dawn is and what it actually is that is that is the the part that that got me and I just sat back and was like okay see the lore of this game goes deep and it runs deep and I can't wait for round two I can't wait to see what they're going to give me in her in Forbidden West so that's what I'd have to say for you buddy but that is all I got for you guys I hope you enjoyed that new segment holograms I will be bringing it back to this show on a regular basis and I might be bringing it back next week as well so stay tuned for that um again please follow me and the show on Twitter at the JMR podcast and at Jedi Master Ren. Again, the R in Ren is the same R for uh, Master. Um, And as always, may the Force be with you.